know, Eddie Spaghetti. The Penguins have lost six games in a row. Everything is terrible. We're all going to die. But there's good news on the horizon. It's the episode of Dying Alive. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jesse Marshall. I'm from the Athletic Pittsburgh, joined by my friends and co-hosts. Full staff on board today. It's Patrick Damp from thepensblog.com. Patrick, hello. Hey, Jesse. Glad we got the whole crew back. It's it's felt like a long time coming. Michael Darnay is the mysterious third co-host who was missing last week. Mike, it's first of all, it's good to have you back and say hello to the people. What's going on? Uh, that's from Pensburg.com is where you can locate Michael. How's everyone? Everyone's great. Things are fine. We missed you. Tell you what's not great, losing six games in a row. But here that's we true. are. Yeah, seems bad. Here we are. Seems bad. I'll tell you what, this will test the metal of a person. It, you know? You walk around, look around what's going on on Twitter. You take a look at who's losing it right now and take mental note of that. For, keep that in your pocket for later. You just know. That person keep them at arm's length. I feel like I con- yeah. I feel like in these times I constantly reach back on Twitter and find my one tweet from last season and hit the retweet button for myself that says, "My God, I don't know how some of you made it through two consecutive Stanley Cup runs alive." That's it, man. I mean, this is the part of way shit works. I think this is great. I find, I find that the fan in me looks forward to a game more in a situation like this because you want them to bust out of it, right? I mean, that's the way it is. That's the way it works. That's the exciting part is waiting for the dam to break and the goals to start to go in and you know, all that shit to harmoniously come together. Yeah, I kind of, I don't know, I, I find it humorous watching people melt down. Oh, it never gets old. No, it, I, it, like, yeah. I take... Uh, especially the the most recent game when it went from three nothing to four nothing to five nothing. I actually was uh, watching the Penguins Twitter account get ratioed by people when they tweeted that it was five zero. <laughs> yeah. And I I agree uh, with you, Jesse. It's definitely, especially in this instance where, save for the San Jose game and the Buffalo game, they've played relatively fine. Like they there hasn't been a whole ton of flaws there that we didn't already know about. And they've done the right things. So you're just sitting here waiting like it's going to come. It is going to come. It's right there. Eventually the puck starts going in. Eventually these, you know, eventually bounces stop going off guys' legs and past Murray or Jari. And it's going to come. And then the only time that I really find like big, long winning streaks fun is like back in 2013 when they were trying to go undefeated for an entire month. It's got to get to that point for a winning streak to be really like gripping and exciting i don't know man I got a five gamer is great to me like i it's not like a narrative builder but yeah i, I see your point either well, but, way but like like before like, we... you know what i mean like you're like there's a difference between like you come into a game and you're like okay yeah they're gonna win this one and you're like okay they're gonna keep rolling like good we want them to keep rolling but like you want to see the streak broken or you want to see them like get over that big historic hump you know what i mean yeah let's sort of let's um Let's review trades with the benefit of hindsight so we all sound smarter because that's – I think that's a fun exercise. 
anything to make us sound better. Of course. So there's like a, a you know a little pot full of games now since the trade deadline. Our first show since then. Um, I mean, I guess we'll start with uh, 40 goal scorer and former Con Smythe winner Dominic Cahoon going to Buffalo um, uh, for uh, Sheeran and Rodriguez coming back the other way. I'll tell you what, man. I didn't know Dominic Coon was the greatest player of all time until, <laughs> until that trade was made. It was just it blew my mind, uh, you know, that that we had gotten rid of like, you know, Luke Robitaille two point here. Yeah, speaking speaking of melting down, I had worked the overnight going into the trade deadline, and I went to sleep around noon, um, and I woke up to discover that the world was burning. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was the inevitable potentially heat death of the universe. Yeah, I mean, when, um, when look, I get it, like when you when you trade a guy that had had ten goals and twenty seven points in fifty games, like I, I just don't know how you can get rid of that guy. Yeah, I mean, there was a word of you know, I don't know. Look, at the end of the day, there's I don't I think that Dominic is an extremely serviceable player, but I think he's an extremely serviceable player in a C. Of, ex- of extremely serviceable players. I mean, I don't know that, you know, analytically speaking, I mean, a defensively impact, you know, his impact was huge. Um, I thought he was a great defensive player. Uh, but I mean, offensively, there, there was something there the Penguins didn't like, you know, given the fact that he was, you know, continually demoted to the fourth line or scratched. Um, and I don't get the sense that there was, that he was going to be resigned. I'll just be frank. Like, I, I don't think there's anything about the way he was used that would lend any of us to believe that the Penguins wanted to keep him within the organization. I mean, I have no idea on that, but I, like you said, he was a serviceable player on a roster full of serviceable players. Like he had a good impact and he definitely had a spot in that middle six, but I mean, there's a handful of guys that can step into that role. And, you know, it wasn't like they dropped Jake Gensel or Brian Rust for Connor Sherry. Like they, they traded Dominic Cahoon. Like everybody, take a breath on that. Yeah. Uh, initial impressions of Connor Sherry. I mean, he looks comfortable. He looks exactly like you would expect. He he fits in with Sid when he's had his number called to play on Sid's wing, and he's looked okay when he plays elsewhere. And that's exactly what we expected out of him. I think you and I talked about that last episode. Jesse was that. He was a guy that we wouldn't mind them going after to try to get again just because of his versatility up and down the lineup. And that's really what I think makes the trade worthwhile or if nothing else uh, makes it a neutral one because you traded one guy that can go up and down the lineup for another guy that can go up and down the lineup. Yeah, and you would kind of expect him to fit in being that he knows the coach and knows the system and all that. It's not like a guy coming in who – Knows nothing about the team. Yeah, I'm very overwhelmed by Connor Sherry. I'm like, I thought he had a great pop in the first game back. It was up and down the lineup, you know, flying all over the place. Um, I guess, I guess it's it's hard to judge a guy when no one on the damn team can score. Uh, but I don't think, I don't think he's been out of place. I don't think it's been you know problematic from, um, you know, from that standpoint. I guess you'd like to see a little bit more, right? Uh, I think he's looked great on the second power play. Well, I think that's one of the biggest areas of need for the Penguins right now because obviously you know that the 
the first power plays loaded up. You got all your talent there, and you don't want the second wave to be underwhelming if they don't score. Yeah. Rodriguez impressions. Haven't really noticed them. Yeah, I, I guess I've noticed them a few times. I guess I, I need to see more. Yeah, I, I really want to see what he does in a bottom six role, especially with Aston Reese out. I want to see if he can step into that that role while he's out. But other than that, I mean, when you get a bottom six forward, you're not really expecting the world out of them. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and even if he is playing well, it's hard to notice a guy playing well when the team loses six games in a row. Yeah, that's like... I think Jason Zucker has been great during this six game losing streak. He's got what? Five goals in five 10 goals. games, I believe. Yeah. So it's like, whoop de doo, you know, like, yeah. damn it. Those two the other night, like would have been really nice in a win. You know, you'd probably appreciate it a little bit more. Um, yeah. Uh, Patrick Marlowe. Uh, I'm excited about this one. Uh, he, he kind of like wrapped up with his family yesterday to come back to Pittsburgh. So uh wasn't, at the facility today. Uh, no panic about that. He'll be there tomorrow. Um, I don't, I think there's been, you know, there's been times where Marlowe has been good and noticeable. Um, I'm, I'm in a position guys where I always tell you, this is like a big picture discussion, but I'd appreciate your input on this. Here's where I'd like to go. I would like to go top line, Jason Zucker, Sidney Crosby, Brian Rust on the second line. For now, you know, given injury is what they are. I would test out Patrick Marlowe, Evgeny Malkin, and Patrick Hornquist. Let me apply my logic to that situation. One, uh, that's a space-creating line for Evgeny Malkin. And let's be honest, Malkin is on it right now. Like, he's feeling it. Let's create all the space we can for him. Two, who did Marlowe find most of his success with earlier in the season before he got hurt? Tomas Hurdle. Both of those players exhibit very Hurdle-like tendencies in their games that I think Patrick Mar- that I think Marlowe would be right at home with for the time being. It gives Crosby the boost he needs to get him out of the slump and get that line cooking. I think especially if Dumoulin and the Tang are back together, that makes it even more tempting to load up that Crosby line. Malkin could score 40 goals with two trash cans right now. I think Hornquist, Hornquist is playing extremely well, and I think Marlowe would fit in that line. I just changed the total scope of this conversation through this discussion, but I'll, you know, that I submit my case. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, li- I like those pairings. I think, um, I think Hornquist does play well with one of Sid or Gino, so it's you don't have to really worry there. And I think we've seen in the couple of games that we've gotten out of Patrick Marlowe so far that he still has it like that it's not you know bringing in the old guy and putting him on the fourth line bringing him along as a passenger on a team that's gonna steamroll its way to a stanley cup he's gonna be a contributor down the stretch here and into the playoffs so put him in a place where he can maximize and i think on evgeny malkin's wing that's the perfect place that he can do it so like you said make all that space he knows how to get to scoring areas he's relentless on the puck and you team that with a guy like Hornquist, who is going to just be an absolute buzzsaw on the other side, I think you have a recipe for success there. Yeah, seeing seeing Marlowe reminds me of uh, Bill Guerin, because he, he's 40, but he clearly hasn't lost his legs at all. 
No, he can keep up. Yeah, for sure. And I think he'll uh, he'll play a critical role in a lot of different ways down the stretch. I've said this a couple other places. You know, he isn't taking a ton of faceoffs this year, but he's been good in the one he's, he's taken. And I think if maybe you have a center that's struggling in the circle, you put him on that wing. You know, think about it, Pat. How much better did you feel? Of as it, I don't know if how much center you played. But a lot. I always felt so much better if I knew there was somebody over there that was going to help me if I cheated. And I cheated <laughs> all the time. I was constantly cheating. If, I mean, let's be honest. Like, that's, that's what made Logan Couture complaining so funny. You know, is like everybody cheats at fake. That's like day one stuff. Well, even so, even aside from cheating, there's a a self aware element of it too, to where when you're the center and you know you have a guy on your wing who can step in and take face offs, if there's if you're lining up on a matchup with a guy that's been cleaning your clock in the face off circle all night, you can look at that guy before face off, tap him on the shin pads, and go. This guy's got my number. Step in. Yeah. Yeah. That, thank you. Because I was just going to say, you know, I think centers help other centers in the sense that, like, if you're getting your clock clean, you know, just put the guy in a full Nelson. You know, you know your winger is a center. He's going to come over and help dig that puck out. Bam. Now you just want it. You know, you ran a shitload of interference and you put a guy in a, you know, cross face chicken wing while you're doing it. But hey, one phase off and and to add to it too that there's also that you know to expand on kind of the quote-unquote cheating in the face-off circle thing there's also the element of if say like they're stuck out on a long shift and they ice the puck one of the two of them can go just go get kicked out of the face-off like Go in and blatantly line up the wrong way, or like knock the other guy's stick See, out of his hands. Buy us. Yeah. Like, and by the time you've had this discussion, you know what your leash is with the line. Yeah. Team, right. Like you know how much you're going to get away with, whether this is a no nonsense guy or you can get some shenanigans in there. Because I did that all the time when I played in college. If we got stuck on a long shift, ice the puck, and I either knew I had a guy on my line who could step in and play center, or a guy on my line who would you know, know how to get kicked out of a face-off with the linesman skating back down the ice from the icing, we would just say like, all right, look, I would either go in and say, look, I'm going to line up blatantly off sides and I'm going to try to get kicked out of this draw. You go in, buy us a couple seconds, line up, we'll catch our breath or vice versa. I would say, go line up, get yourself kicked out. I'll like look confused with the other guy on the wing and say like, no, you want, you want to take it? You want me to take it? And then I'll step in and take it. Like, Buy yeah. us a few seconds, let us catch our breath, and we'll get off the ice here. Oh, you wouldn't believe this. I'm having an equipment malfunction. Yeah, it, who, oh, my. What an, what an inopportune time oh, for such a misfortune to occur. Chin strap snapped. Sorry, man. Yeah. This isn't safe. <laughs> <laughs> um, Patrick, while we're on the subject, am I understanding this correctly that congratulations are in order for your alma mater? Yes. Yes, they are. Congratulations to the IUP Crimson Hawks defeating the Pitt Panthers in the, uh, I believe it's the CHMA Championships. I think that's what it was. Yeah, CHMA. I can, yeah. I can never remember what the the D1 team and was. And by saying. the way, that's, no, no disrespect to IUP. Nice looking uniform for Pitt. Yeah. Slick. Real slick. But uh, congrats to them for winning the CHMA title. They're heading off to the... <sighs> ACHA national tournament, one of the first times in a long time that uh, an IUP team's heading to nationals. So, congrats to them and 
shit, go get it, boys. Um, yeah, shouts out to the shouts out to the boys. Uh, so Tuesday night, Ottawa Senators come to town. Uh, I thought that uh, if we recap just briefly here, because we don't want to spend time beating a dead horse, um, that West Coast swing sucked. Uh, L.A. was such a winnable hockey game with absolutely no finish. That was the one to me that was like the ultimate, you know, shooting percentage slap in the ass. Um, That was ugly. The Anaheim game was more self-inflicted than anything, I think. Really just the... uh, crap decision-making with regards to penalties, uh, you know, of getting Malkin knowing that a, a referee was T-happy, uh, giving a referee a reason to tee him up. You never want to do that. you got to have a little bit more awareness of who you're dealing with. There's a time and a place for everything. And if you have a problem with that official, you're going to see him again. Put it in your back pocket and save it for a little bit later on. <laughs> uh, um, uh, this Ottawa game is without question now the most pivotal game of the year. I think there's no question about that. Ottawa's a team that's extremely annoying to play against, and I'll tell you, uh, has been playing some of their best hockey of the year, which I think is often the case. If you think back to the X generation, you know, the Penguins, all the really shitty teams they had, always closed out the year well and left you wanting more and dis, you know, dis, disillusioning your, your view of where you actually were in the rebuilding process. Ottawa's in that stage now. So, <laughs> so, so, so where do, where what do you gather from that? Is that even though the team may be rebuilding and the team isn't upset about being bad, guys are still trying to play for next year's jobs? Hundred percent. Yeah, I think there's an element of that and an element of a little sleepiness on the on the part of the opposition. Yeah. Like, oh, we're going to steamroll these kids tonight. Oh. And Kachuk dangled the shit out of me. What happened? <laughs> well, and, and uh, I know you said you don't want to beat the dead horse here, but the one thing I will say about the L.A. game, despite it being a shooting percentage regression, if you have been watching the Pittsburgh Penguins long enough, and as soon as you saw Cal Pedersen was starting in net, you were like, yeah, here we go. He's going to be Patrick Waugh yep. in the 90s. Here we go. <laughs> sort of always feels like it works that way, doesn't it? Because I remember, like, you know, like Mike and I both worked overnight shifts so like i literally was just waking up as that game started so i tuned in as i was doing my quote unquote morning routine and they were going through the pregame stuff like yeah and cal petterson's starting in net for la i was like okay here we go yeah well the san jose game was the epitome of a rock bottom that was like it was the end of the, it was an end of a road trip where they had lost five in a row. <laughs> you, know what? you know what's funny? I when I was watching Patrick Marlowe and I was putting together the article out for the athletic on him, I just all I could think about was my God, San Jose is so terrible defensively. Like look at this shit storm. <laughs> like, this is gonna be I was like, this is just what my doctor ordered. I was like, this I know this show. I was like, this is gonna be great. Live. And then within like three within three minutes, I was like, nah, this ain't it. I was like, this isn't the one. <laughs> I was like, might as well just buckle up because this and I made the decision that night I was gonna sit down and I was gonna try to watch the game uh without Twitter. You know, for the sake of my own mental health. And, uh, you know, I don't know what was worse, watching that game alone <laughs> no other or like having to wait. I like briefly jumped in after the game. and was like, oh, well, I got to get out of here. Um, I had like a tweet from someone 
it was like they got to get rid of Mike Sullivan. <laughs> it was it was hostile. Uh, and then when I was like, "You're firing the coach, bro!" Like, come <laughs> on, man! Like, I just voted. Meanwhile, I just voted mid-season awards and gave him the Jack Adams. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, I was like, "Wow, what what a difference two weeks!" Makes. I mean, it's it's just like, guys, I, I know from from a purely fan perspective, I understand losing six in a row sucks. It's awful. You don't want to go through it. But you have like, and, and this goes out to all the people that love to jump into Jesse's mes- uh, mentions about stats. What we're telling you here is to literally watch the game. They have not saved, like I said at the top, save for the Buffalo game and save for the San Jose game. They haven't really played poorly. It's just been a stretch of shit luck. I yeah no I'm 100% in agreement with you on that. Uh, I mean, there's shit that they need to fix. Oh yeah, like they're, no they're not without it. their flaws no right now. But like, like you like the LA game, they were the better team for I would say 50 minutes of a 60 minute game, and lost two to one. Like that's the definition yeah. of a game that just doesn't fall your way. Anaheim two goals literally went off of Zach Trotman. Like another game yeah. bad luck. In, Another game, they triple screened their own goaltender. In, in, in Washington, everybody needs... To, if it was a Congo line in front of the net. <laughs> yeah. In Washington, everybody needs to remember, they are still a really good team, too. Sometimes when two really good teams play, one of them has to win. That's the one thing I'll say about myself. I don't have a lot of redeeming qualities as a hockey player, but if I can't do anything about it, I'm just going to move out of the fucking way. You know, and then if you get beat, you can't nobody to blame but yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, sure, shit. Maybe I didn't do anything, you know, to impact the play. But you had a good look at it, so you got to do something with that. You know, that ain't me. It's the uh, the Sports Center <laughs> top ten defense. You already see the big play happening, and just get the hell out of the highlight. You don't. <laughs> I don't want to be a part of this. So one more topic that is a uh, Guino specific. And I found, and I ask this not only because we put it in the rundown for the show, uh, but I talked to Adam Crowley about this today on the uh, Adam Crowley show on ESPN 970. I, two weeks ago, would have said to you, hey guys, I'm totally cool with the Penguins just going back and forth between Murray and Jari. Now, I don't know that I'm cool with that. Where are you on the subject of goaltending? I think I still agree with that. Yeah, which one? You gotta be more specific. Oh, uh, to, <laughs> to go with whoever they feel like going with. So you don't think like you have to establish somebody? I don't think so. Not yet. When do you suppose they should do that? Mm. I don't. I don't feel like there's a timetable. Yeah. You just feel like it's a natural. Just you kind of have to. Okay, Patrick, are you going with Mike essential? Mike's essential oils approach to this. <laughs> yes, I hope Mike has uh, healing crystals for our goalies here. <laughs> yeah, goddamn too. coronavirus. You need. I mean, that's you know. That's the. Look, that's the disease. That's... This team got. Here's the reality of the situation. This team got mumps. Oh, let's not go. You know, you, do you remember the? Uh, 
<laughs> Do you remember when Bumps was going around the NHL and somebody made that parody video? It was a cover of Taylor Swift's Blank Space, but it was Mumps Face. <laughs> ah, I did not oh remember God, that as well. Perfect. I'll, I I'll send it to you after. It's amazing. Hey, can I bring up something uh, nostalgia-wise? And I don't know if you'll remember, but this is – let's file this. This will be a new segment called Great Moments in Hockey Twitter. <laughs> there are only a handful. Yeah, you don't have a lot to pick from from that cesspool. Somebody reminded me, though, that when the lockout was happening, uh, the first one, uh, way back when, and like we were like still in the very infancy of Twitter, and message boards were really popular. Obviously, Eklund was out there, right, uh, tossing around inside information with regards to negotiations. Uh, does anybody remember when he reported uh, that pizza was delivered to the pre- to the negotiation table, and people were seen high fiving in the conference room? <laughs> are we talking about? The, are we talking about the 2012 one? No, before that. No, I don't remember that. Yeah, dude, that was like that was the uh, what oh four oh five I think. What was, yeah. What was it? yeah, that one. He was yes. Yeah, so I guess Twitter wasn't even around. So people were like on Hockey's Future and like all these other like Let's Go Pens dot com were like monitoring Eklund's site, and there were a lot of people that bought into everything that he had to say. And there were a lot of people that were like, "No, this is stupid." Uh, but one of the days, one of the insider updates uh, attaches many R's as that TC as you see fit. Uh, was that pizza had been delivered to the negotiation room and people had been seen high fiving inside of it? <laughs> I remember, <laughs> and I like that, I think that was where everybody like this was like this shit has jumped the shark. You know what I mean? Like we're now having a conversation about people touching each other in a goddamn conference room. Like I'm not paying for this shit. You know? <laughs> so I don't know. There's that's apropos of nothing other than that. I, I was having a conversation with someone. I remember there. the uh, the 2012 lockout when. Uh, there was the supposed end to it and they brought the podium out and nobody stepped to the podium. Oh, shit. That podium watch was insane. <laughs> and you do know, there was just people watching a feed, a blank ass feed of a podium for hours. And you do remember, uh, the, the popular Twitter account that sprouted up that day was NHL podium, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, who, you know who made that account, right? No, it was uh down goes Brown. Uh-huh. That makes sense. But um no, to what we were to what we were talking about there before we got off the rails. Uh I think this is the month you make the decision for goaltending. I think this is it. Like this is where you pick your starter and you go. Like obviously this is a huge month coming up for the Penguins, so it's it's now or never. You pick who's your starter. Whoever is playing better, whoever's got the hot hand, they are your starter. No disrespect to either Murray or Jari. But when the majority of your games, save for two of them in the month of March or within the division, let's roll. It's it's stretch run time. Let me tell you, I may be totally making this up. Uh, maybe I'm full of shit. Here's what I think. It's a conundrum because I think Tristan Jari is at his best when he's in the net and is getting his minutes and eating them up. Whereas I think like Murray thrives almost off of a good goaltender giving him spot starts and kind of pushing him from behind. You can't get Tristan Jari there if he's playing as little as he is. Additionally speaking, I would almost prefer to have seen Jari more with the defense being as makeshift as it was, uh, given his puck playing ability. You know, you just need that less when Marino and Dumoulin are in the lineup. Let me drop this on you. Uh, And I know this data isn't 100% up to date. Corey 
um, Shutdown Line, who does an unbelievable job tracking microdata all throughout the course of the year. Uh, I looked today at what he had for the Penguins. You know, I was basically up to like the quarter point of the season. Lo and behold, the guys who exit the zone with the puck on their stick defensively the most are Crystal Tang, Brian Dumoulin, and John Marino. Well, two out of the three of them have been missing. So, like, just for a taste of like the impact you get when they eventually come back, that's what you're getting. Um, but I mean, back to the goaltending piece. I, I think at some point you've got to, you know, it's going to happen when you get the win. That'll be whoever well, the goaltender that gets the win first gets the next game. I think, uh, noting especially how reticent Mike Sullivan is to make any adjustments to the winning line. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So, um, before we get around. Uh, the league, Jason Bottrell is in Buffalo, um, the guy who most people credited all the Penguins' success to behind the scenes, uh, and he traded for Wayne Simmons at the trade deadline. <laughs> um, I don't get uh, it. Yeah, uh, Buffalo, um, they're donezo uh, again, and uh, Jack Eichel. Do we need a dramatic uh, reading for this? Yeah, no, Pat, that'd be great, actually. Let's dust it off. It's been a while since you've done one. Um if you could really emphasize the last word in the quote, you know, get real sort of like Canadian American with it. Now I don't want to tell you what to do, so, but you know, this is a tweet from John Vogel. He covers the Sabres at Buffalo Vogel. This was after they lost on, uh, on Saturday leap day, if you will. Jack Eichel still in full uniform after long after every other player, Sabres player, has left the locker room. Realization that it is over here. Quote, Big picture sucks. Uh, Obviously. Eichel said. Big picture sucks. That's not good. I mean, it, it like the thing he wants out of there, right? He wants out. Of there. He has to. Yeah. But the other thing, before Eichel, the trade for Simmons, well, obviously they only sent a fifth rounder back to New Jersey. He's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, and there's no indication that the Devils are planning on re-signing him. If you wanted. Wayne Simmons that bad. Wait. Sign him in July. Yeah, you don't have, you to, don't give, have to sacrifice you don't have to, anything. You don't have to give anything up. Like, yeah, maybe that fifth beat is is inconsequential to your future, but why spend any asset on a guy that is on an expiring deal when you have, according to Dom Lecision, a less than five percent chance of making the playoffs? Like you're just you're you're burning an asset for nothing. Yeah. Maybe they wanted a four-month wooing period to pitch buffalo wings on him. Maybe. They might as well have gone after Joe Thornton while they were at it. You could make more of a case to get him. Like, I don't think he would go, but, like, it would make more sense. Like, bring that guy in, you know, have him spend some time with Eichel and around some of the guys that they're building around and kind of give them a new, fresh perspective of a guy that's been in the consummate pro for his entire career. But, like, why Wayne Simmons? Yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah. 
Uh, it just is it, to me, you know, it's a very directionless plan. You don't get the sense that they're, you know, yeah, a lot of lot of people fully in control of what's going on as far as the. You know, look at the way the Rangers did it. You know, hell, they're they can make the damn playoffs. <laughs> they're not out of it. <laughs> well, that's unbelievable. And they're still in a position where they're recouping assets and like building for the future. Still, it's not that hasn't ended. No, that they they looked at, and I, I understand that they're in a fight for their lives, and they haven't really done much. But they looked at the Toronto model and built off that. Like, just you you tell everybody, hey, listen, we're tearing it right down to the bone, and we're starting over. And they got a little bit lucky that a guy like Panarin hit the market and they had the money and that Panarin made it pretty well obvious that he wanted to go to a huge market. Right, but you got to admit too, Patrick, at the same time, Jacob Trouba was a good bit of business. Yeah, like the, like the, like they've the difference between the Toronto thing and the, and the Rangers thing is there was a lot more available to them in the immediate while they still held on to assets. Like there wasn't a whole lot available um, in the immediate for Toronto until Tavares. No, you're right. You're right. I, I, you know what? I don't know if you guys had a chance to see this or not, but I was kind of shocked by like how massive of an egg the Rangers laid in front of Henrik Lundqvist. Like I kind of, you, you'd almost be like, you know, you have the win one for the Gipper mentality, but instead they were like exposed him. <laughs> it's like, what's happening here? Like, I don't know. Felt bad for the guy. I mean, on the on the flip side of that, though, like, and it chills me to my core to say this, but the Flyers are absolutely rolling right now. Yeah, they are. It's also March second. Oh, I know, but like, they're just they're on a heater, and yeah. the the Rangers, while good, like, they're still like making the playoffs for the Rangers this year is found money. No question about that. It's a bunch – it's really good experience for a bunch of young players that don't have any. It's like bonus extra experience. It's the, it, like it's, when the Penguins got dusted by the Senators. Yeah, that first that's year. what I was going to say. It's the Penguins making the playoffs in 07. Yeah, that was just a total baptism by fire. Although I still think that that goal by Sidney Crosby got disallowed for a kicking motion should have counted. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But you know, really, you think about what's 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 next, okay? You got to get this thing figured out. And I know that you know, we're, the Penguins aren't in control of their shooting percentage, right? They they don't have they don't have the ability to just magically guide the puck into the net. Uh, you, you control what you can control, right? When your chances come, you do your damnedest to finish them up. Uh, but you got the Senators here uh, in in Pittsburgh uh, tomorrow at seven. Then you go to a short turnaround to Buffalo uh, on Thursday. You've got to get your house cleaned up by the time the Capitals come to town at Saturday at one o'clock. Your shit better be in order. The carpet better be vacuumed. The drapes better be up. Make the goddamn bed. Because that is a game that you cannot, at this point, uh, just shit your way through. Thoughts? <laughs> I, I, I don't think there's any way you can sum it up otherwise. I mean, it's two opportunities to clean your to clean your thing up, you know. And 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 look, Ottawa and Buffalo are both teams that are, are fast. You know, they may not have a ton of skill up and down the lineup, but they can skate. Uh, Buffalo proved that recently uh, in the midst of this losing streak. Um, 
you know, I, I you know that that to me is a critical element here because the Penguins are not going to be in a position <clears throat> where they're going to be able to afford to to piss around with these teams. And I think that the lack of pace and the lack of forechecking sometimes has been just as problematic uh, as what's been going on in their home defensively. Um, you know, how I, angry do you think people would be if Dominic Cahoon scores a goal? Oh my God! When he scored a goal the other night, I, you'd have thought that you know that it was like I, I just hate when people judge trades based on like three games sample size. That's You're crazy. Asking people to be rational though, and that's a very crazy talk. request. So it's nuts. So to what you're saying, you got to get your house in order, right? You got Ottawa tomorrow, Buffalo on Thursday. Those are your two, if you want to call it, despite the streak, the losing streak, warm-up games. Let's listen to this murderer's row over the next two weeks. Washington on Saturday. Carolina on Sunday. You have the Devils next Tuesday. Granted, we can't overlook anybody given the race that the Penguins are in right now. The Devils shit on the Penguins constantly. Are you kidding me? Columbus next Thursday. They're battling for a playoff spot. Carolina next Saturday. At Carolina, they're battling for a playoff spot. Next Sunday, the Islanders come to town. They're battling for a playoff spot. We get the theme here is it's all goddamn metropolitan. <laughs> we get into the we get into the next week, home at home with the Rangers at Madison Square Garden on the 18th, in Pittsburgh on the 20th. Then you have the Caps again. Yeah, there's two teams down that stretch: the Senators and the Blackhawks. Uh, and let's be honest. Well, who feels good about the Penguins going to Chicago? Nobody should. They haven't Nobody won there since Nam. It feels. And, and, yeah, guess, and so, guess what? Before they go to Chicago, they have Washington on Sunday, the twenty second, and then they have Carolina at home the night yeah, before. I mean, look, it, yeah, that's the deal. I mean, the whole thing down the stretch run is going to be is going to be nothing but metropolitan division teams. It works out that way every year, and I feel like they took it even more to an extreme. And, and um, I don't, I don't hate. You know, you're going to have opportunities. Uh, go ahead. I'm say I don't hate that because it worked out in the NHL's favor intentionally or not this year that the metro is an absolute dog pile so the last month of the season is let's go figure it out you guys figure out who's going to the playoffs you know if there's a saving grace in there it's that the you know teams like you know the, for example the hurricanes that there's going to be a ton of ton of appearances with are really bad defensively so if you're like hard up for goals and you can't get any they're you're going to find opportunities in here to score Hell, throw Washington in there, man. Like the Caps aren't exactly uh, a great defensive hockey team. Either. That is a, that so, is assuming uh, Carolina doesn't go to their ace in the hole, David Ayers. You never know. Look at this point. Although, uh, did you guys hear that the Board of Governors basically came out and was like, "We don't really feel like it's necessary to change this process." Good. Why would they? Yeah, like a rare solid decision by the NHL. The N- the NHL is a. I'm not gonna trip over myself to congratulate them. the NHL. <laughs> is a high school kid leaving school for Christmas break that has like four BS assignments that are like 10 question, multiple choice. You have a study guide that gives you all the answers and one 30 page term paper. And they come home the first day after break and they finish all the BS assignments and they wait until like three days before they have to go back to school to go, Oh fuck. I have a 30 page term paper. They get every dumb little problem that nobody cares about finished in record time. But when there's one or two big things plaguing the league, they push it off forever. Oh, yeah. 
Um, well, I'll tell you what. This is this feels good. You ready, Patrick? Yeah, Michael's back. Let me hear the rustling of the papers. Let me hear the clankling of the ice. Uh, no ice. Ah, damn it! Drop the beats. All right, let's see what we got here. Um, <laughs> Brad asks, battle to the death, Danish or cinnamon roll? Cinnamon roll. Cinnamon roll, for sure. Because I'll tell you right now, you eat enough of them, they're going to take you right to the <laughs> <laughs> Go into a uh, Cinnabon coma? Yep. Um... This isn't really a question. Um, he had somebody had posted a screenshot of a take from this guy, um, and he his name is Chris. He says, "I'm an OG listener, just trying to achieve friend of the pod status." Oh boy! But I'm also shy and never submit questions. I think you can see my dilemma here. Oh, wasn't his uh, wasn't his question how long until Marlo gets traded to a contender? <laughs> Yeah, he he was being sarcastic, and I think a friend of his tried to send it to roast him for it. Well, I mean, that's my advice would be like, you can't you can't be a friend of the pod if you're just lurking. You know, don't be a lurker. <laughs> I mean, you could be a lurker. That's cool. But like, don't complain yeah, if you, about if, it afterwards. If you, want, if you want to have, if you got if you got correspondences, send them in. We answer just about everything. Yeah. If you guys haven't picked up on that in fifty episodes, Plus, otherwise, listens or listens, baby. <laughs> Um, like real corporate there. <laughs> Connellsville Rich asks, "Who wins the Cup Championship this is year?" Is that gritty guy of the week, Rich? That's asking. Is that Rich Miller? It is. Oh man, what a Speaking, what a, speaking of lurkers, I feel like he's been lurking recently. Yeah, he's been lurking. He's hanging out. There. He knows he's waiting to strike. He's got to be. There'll be a moment. The moment when Penguins Twitter needs them the most, he'll be there. <laughs> He's got to be talking right. NASCAR, though, right, Jesse? I think that's a question for you. I, th- I, I was thinking that. Yeah, no, it's uh, Rich and I, uh, our correspondences recently have primarily been around auto racing, which is something that's very important to both of us. Um, you know, this is tough because the, the Chevys are strong. They're very, very strong. Uh, I... I don't know, man. I, I, I still, I at the end of the day, I'm going to lean on Chase Elliott. He's not really like looked great at the early part of the season, but he's also had a lot of unfortunate bad luck, and has could have won every single race this year, legitimately. So I'm going. I got to go with the Chevy, and I just don't think Alex Bowman has enough experience. Although I, he's been very fast as well. I'm going to. Uh, have you? Sure. Are you guys familiar with this bounty situation that's going on in NASCAR? All right now. I'm not. Yeah, it may come as short, a shock. No, long, I'm not. Yeah, long story short, uh, there, there's three leagues essentially to NASCAR, right? You have the NASCAR, the big cup at the top, right, which we all know, and then the, the Xfinity series, which is cup cars, but they're smaller and a smaller spoiler and a smaller motor, and they go fat, they go less fast. So, so it's like the is that the AHL of NASCAR? AHL, exactly. The ECHL, which is rough tumble, a lot of fighting, you know, people trying to kill each other, is the truck series that runs on Friday night. <laughs> and that's where all the kids go. You know, a lot of the young kids are groomed now through the truck series up through the system and, you know, so on and so forth. Now, here's the, here's the conundrum. Cup drivers aren't allowed to drive in the truck series for obvious reasons. That'd be like cherry picking. 
except Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch is a piss baby, and he gets to drive in the truck series. So you might say, why is that, Jesse? So, I'll so tell you why. Kyle Busch is the TJ Oshie of NASCAR? 100%. No doubt about it, and there's zero doubt. Go, yeah. Long story short, Kyle Busch has a truck team. So if NASCAR says to him, you can't drive here, he'll pull his trucks. And they need trucks. They don't have the, they don't, it's not, a, they're not in a position to, to afford that. So Kevin Harvick is sick and tired. He's a driver in NASCAR, like in the you know, highest series, is sick and tired of watching Kyle Bush beat up on these kids. So he says, I got $50,000 to any NASCAR driver who gets a truck and goes down there and beats Kyle Bush. <laughs> now, the truck series itself is owned by Gander, the outdoor company, right? They're the sponsor title of the series the owner of gander says great idea i also have fifty thousand dollars <laughs> that i will donate now we have a one hundred thousand dollar pool to anyone who goes down and beats kyle bush and kyle bush says there's no way you can allow this to happen you can't put a bounty on a man's head you know very similar to what we experienced in Slapshot, right well, except they're the, – correct me if I'm wrong. The bounty is to beat him, not kill him. Well, initially there wasn't a lot of rules around that, right? Like you know, conceivably the bounty could have been you go down there and wreck him, right? That could have been it. But then they clarified no wrecking. NASCAR said this is totally legal. We're going to allow this because we want to get rid of Kyle Busch. That's not, <laughs> we're not saying that outright, but that's 100 percent why they're allowing it. Uh, but you just can't wreck him. And then Ke- Kevin Harvick, to clarify, said we won't give you the money if you wreck him. Yeah, so in response, almost immediately, uh, Chase Elliott, who I just predicted would win the championship in the big series, got a truck. He got a crew chief from a guy who was a crew chief in the truck series last year and has taken, like, all his tire changes. <coughs> he drove trucks before. And then Kyle Larson uh, from the Cup Series also has a truck. So they're all coming down to try to get this $100,000. This feels uh, very uh, Days of Thunder-esque. It is. It is very Days of Thunder. But, I mean, like, between what happened to Ryan Newman – earlier this year and him being alive uh and then like the racing being actually really good and now the bounty it's like wow people are like all of a sudden taking an interest in this thing that's sneak that's been sneakily good this year yeah i was gonna say all i heard was mcgrath's voice in my head you can't put a bounty on a man's head head. (laughs) mcgrath i just did (laughs) yeah dr hook I need to watch that movie. It's been a long time. <clears throat> been a while. Unless I have the fucking song. <laughs> Arguably my favorite part of that whole thing. I just uh, had a conversation with somebody the other day who told me they'd never seen Youngblood. Youngblood sucks, though. Uh, It's, yeah, I mean, nostalgia, though, I think it holds up. No, it, it doesn't. Like good, I don't know, man. I think it's funny as fuck. I think it's hilarious. It's a good roast movie. You don't watch it to seriously get your hockey dose. It's like a joke. <laughs> like in my tri- remember my triple D grant. I mean, I'll take the whole movie. I'll take that's the whole movie of Young Bud. <laughs> I mean, I'll take that. Like it's it's just such a bad hockey movie. I just but, uh, hear me out on this, Pat. I just think it's a movie any hockey fan should be forced to watch. Like it should be requisite viewing. Appreciate the good things in life. Go on, Michael. Uh, let's see. Drew Dunn asks, can the Penguins get back to playing at a quote-unquote normal level in less than a week? Well, I mean, look, the reality is it sounds like John Marino is probably going to play. Uh, I would bet he plays. Here's, let me tell you what this comes down to. How much swollen is he after he practiced today? Yeah. If he gets through the skate tomorrow, no swelling, he'll probably play. 
And Dumoulin. Dumoulin, maybe an extra game. And he's right there, so, yeah. Yeah, getting yeah. those two back. His, his biggest concern today was wind and, like, not really being able to replicate the speed of a game in practice and, you know, stuff like that's, that. But that's going to, you know, Mike Sullivan mentioned today, you know, out of the two of them, one of them has been out significantly longer than the other. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, you would only assume that the one who's been out longer is going to take the longest time to react. Yeah, that's the, hard, that's the hardest thing to replicate is the speed of a game. Like, it's it's impossible. So let's play a game one of the let's play one a game. of the one of the ways it's referred to at least when i was still working in the e in the ahl when a guy is coming back from a longer injury there's game shape and then there's treadmill shape like a guy feels great like he's worked out he feels like he's good to go and then you put him on the ice in a game and it's like oh fuck i'm in treadmill shape gentlemen a 75 now yeah how about this a 70 percent brian dumoulin is a what percent Jack Johnson? Mm, hundred, but like <laughs> I'm just gonna say the same thing. Yeah, like, probably. Gotta, like I'd be like a, a severely limited Dumoulin to me just thinks the game in, in a much different way. And I'm telling you now, I know people shit on me for saying this. I think Schultz Johnson as a third pairing is actually gonna thrive. I'm fine with it if it's sheltered. Yeah, if, I think it'll get the same treatment that everybody else has gotten on the third pairing, and I think they'll eat it up. Speaking of, you signal boosted it on Twitter. I'll signal boost it here on the podcast. Go read Penn's blog, Jeff's piece about Justin Schultz. Oh, yeah, for sure. Go right now. It feels like it came out like a month ago. It was like last week. (laughs) Uh, Kevin Reuter asks, over under 21.5 points in March. That's math as per my dying alive contract. I do not do math. Um, under, but not by much. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I'll take the under on that. I'll go over. There's a possible 32. I'll go over. So they would go 10 and 16 or 10 and 10 six. and 16. Jesus. <laughs> right. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go over. That's fine. Yeah, I'm going to go over too. Fuck it. <clears throat> <laughs> I only live once. YOLO. Uh, John Hill asks, best food to get at PPG Paints Arena? It's not a PPG <sighs> staple, but I do enjoy hitting Burgatory. Yeah. Dude, just honest to God, man, just give me nachos, double cheese, man. Oh, good call. Just yeah, double, double cheese, cheese is always the call. If you're going to a yeah. game with Peep, hot dogs. Yeah. If you're going to a game with Pat, hot dogs, just not as many. <laughs> yeah, there'll be leftovers for you. Yeah. Um, Laura asks, "What is the most elite Easter candy?" There's oh, Reese's eggs. I was gonna say there's yep. one answer, and if you guys don't give that one, yeah, that's it's, it. It's eggs. It's the Reese's eggs for sure. Also, the bubble gum that comes in the egg carton. Oh yeah, those are good. Yeah, I like. That also, uh, Starburst jelly beans. Mm. Oh, oh yeah, Starburst that's jelly number beans. two. Yeah, that's a good call, Mike. Thank you. Um, Matt Cause asks, please discuss the pros and cons of bubble hockey versus air hockey and state your preference. I have a, I have a great bubble hockey story. You know what, man? Like uh, my friend Zach, uh, Zach Dawson, uh, years ago invested in a very high-quality bubble hockey table with interchangeable team parts of the nice. original six. Yeah, my friend has a very nice one in his uh, basement. And I'll tell you what, when you play on a nice one, 
it changes your perception entirely. Like, and now mechanically, like, it's a whole thing. Like, this is a learning curve. And, like, Zach would play all the time and just beat the shit out of me. Like, 9-1, you know, you got to get it down pat. And there's there's a, a rhyme, you know, like a, a sort of a, a way about it per table. Um, but air hockey, to me, like, you can be a real just ass and play solid defense and not attack at all and still win. And I hate You could also get your fingers busted. True. You're right. Yeah, air, uh, air hockey is the less superior version no doubt i agree but, um, yeah no doubt there's a bar on south side on east carson street i honest to god don't know the name of it but well and let's be honest with our listeners here enter at your own risk yes but there's a bar down there that it's an ar it's literally an arcade like they have all kinds of old school games that's on 18th street yeah. right and yeah i know where and um me and a couple of my buddies went down there one night before a Penguin game, and they obviously have bubble hockey there. So my two buddies decided they wanted to play, and we did the usual, like, all right, you two play, I'll grab the winner, right? And the table's set up to where one team is the Penguins and the other team is the Canadians, and as you do when you're on East Carson street, I had had a couple, uh, adult beverages and I decided while I was waiting to figure out who was going to win, I was going to grab a bar stool and sit down and commentate their bubble hockey game. So like I'm sitting there doing like a dumb cliche broadcaster voice, like nasally voice. Like I'm sitting there like, and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the east, the uh, south side of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where tonight we have the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Montreal Canadiens. And I'm sitting there, like, just doing this, like, to entertain those two. And, like, they had been playing for, like, six, seven minutes. And at one point, like, one of the guys, one of my buddies playing, like, looks up and goes, what in the hell's going on right now? And I was like, what? <laughs> and I, like, look behind me and there's, like, eight or nine people like gathered around watching this game as I comment <laughs> on it. Yeah. <laughs> and like every play they're like, Oh, Oh my God. Like, <laughs> Oh, it was such a good time. That's good. Um, his ears must've been burning. Cause I opened my phone to check something and see a late correspondence from peep <laughs> asks who's better looking John Stamos or Patrick Swayze. Wow. <laughs> Dude, that's that is no contest Swayze to me and, it, and I'm telling you now it's not even close bro Dude, I think it's close oh wow that's that's insulting to Swayze no I'm disrespect sorry. to the Swayze but it's like Stamos 90s heartbreaker man dude Roadhouse bro watch it are you really gonna tell me of all people to watch Roadhouse? That should be directed at Mike. I'm like, you watch it if you're sitting here having this conversation with me, Patrick. Yeah, but I was also to force forced to watch the farce that was Full House, and I mean, anytime Stamos came walking in, come on. So Patrick Swayze would beat Sean Stamos' ass. We're not talking about fights here. <laughs> and cut him with his supreme jawline. <laughs> Um, I don't know how to pronounce this person's name. It looks like Dave, but it's D-E-V-E. We'll go with Dev. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when will Yusa Rico be released back into the wild? Oof. Real soon. <laughs> like, potentially tomorrow. <laughs> and um, similar question from Tony. 
is Sullivan putting his potential Jack Adams award at risk by being so damn stubborn? A lot of people feel that way. Regarding Jack Johnson in the first pairing and benching Yuso Ricola for some unknown reason. Look, I'll say this. If Dumoulin and Marino come back and the Penguins go on a run, you know, get hot going in, nobody's going to remember the six games. Yeah. And you know what? I'll say this, and it's going to be unpopular. The guys on the team like Jack Johnson. Regardless of how we feel about him as a player and regardless of what everything between the eye test and the stats tell us, guys on the team like him. And there is something to be said for that, for a guy getting a spot all the time. Yeah. Um, ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. Eric asks, with the Penguins on a losing streak, what are some tried and true ways to break a slump in your personal life? Oh, you got to say what he put in parentheses. I saw that. No, I'm not. <laughs> Eric's a great follow on Twitter, one of my buddies. For the Penguins? Dude, honestly, man, like you got to take a small win right out of the gate, man. Make your bet every day, you know? That's Even one thing. Take your, take your little moral victories and add them up? Yeah. Just start the day off with a win. Yeah, make your bed, do something positive, make a good cup of coffee, like – yeah. Set set an Start achievable goal, something that you know you can do. Uh Boko fan fourteen asks, do you think Calvert Lewin's goal for Everton versus Man United should have counted, or was it rightly ruled out via VAR? So I I'm gonna comment on this. There's two answers I'm gonna provide you. Okay. Number one, if Gilfie has to move out of the way of the ball, he is involved in the play. You understand that mm-hmm. reacting to the ball, he himself has involved. People were like, "Well, he moved out of the way," but if he—that's the thing. If he moved out of the way, he was involved. Do you understand? Yeah. If he wasn't involved, he wouldn't have had to move. Does that make sense, Patrick? As a third-party observer, sure. I mean, if a ball is coming at you, okay, and you move out of the way, would you say that you were involved in the play? Uh. Depends on perspective. I think you're, yeah. So, so, okay. so for, think con- for context here, if you're offsides, you're allowed to be offsides if you don't touch the ball or if you're not in the way of the play. There was a guy laying on the ground. The ball was coming towards him. He moved out of the way. The ball rolled past him and into the net. They reviewed it and ruled that he was offsides. Because if he didn't move it, it hit him. Like, and then it doesn't go in the net at all. So I think that is the reasoning behind it. Now, larger picture, I fucking hate VAR. (laughs) Like this kind of shit drives me crazy. And I hate that we're like, it goes against the spirit of the thing. And on a larger scale, everybody asked for this. And you all have nobody but yourselves to blame. (laughs) Unintended consequence is what it sounds like. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Uh, Michael N. asks, what's your position on black licorice? That's fucking terrible. Awful. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. Black licorice is the most disgusting. Uh, not only is, not only is it an awful candy, it was the worst smell marker. Ugh. And that he also terrible. asks, red vines or Twizzlers? I've never had red vines, so I gotta go I don't Twizzlers. think I've ever had red vines. I think they're like, um, they look like shoelaces, but they're like licorice. Oh, yeah, those are like very hard to chew. Yes. And I'm pretty sure that they were like one step away from like being an actual plastic. <laughs> um, 
Morgan asks, given the Pens injury woes this season, which Penguin is most likely to be patient zero for the coronavirus? Well, Bo Bennett's gone, so that's out. <laughs> Zach Aston Reese already hurt. Uh, Dom Simone's hurt coming back from California, so they set, I'm gonna, they set up a body bro, injury, Patrick but Marlo, that might. Patrick Marlowe stays behind with his family late, catches it on a domestic flight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's true, and he, he's chasing an Iron Man streak, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yep, it's Patrick Marlowe. Um, Lauren Fitzgerald asks, I'll be in Pittsburgh for both games this weekend. What's a good place to get brunch slash pregame with other Pens fans, especially before Saturday's 1 p.m. game? Super Bowl. Man, I love the Super Bowl so much. I mean, like, there's other fancier places to go, but if you want an authentic game day experience, to me, that can't be beat. Yeah, got to hit Super Bowl for sure. Mm-hmm, agreed. Um, let's see here. Mark has three questions. Oh. One, favorite fish fry in Pittsburgh? For Tangela's in Moon Township. Michael, you got one? Not particularly. Um, there's so many good ones to pick from. I mean, uh, Gabe's in Whitehall is really good. St. Gabriel's, that one's really good because they have a bunch of sides that they just not they hand make and it's out of yeah it's so good um his second question is which current penguins player do you think will follow in phil bork and bob Airy's footsteps of calling games for tv and radio i, mean, I think it's colby armstrong well i mean he already well, he, current, he already penguins does player. oh current penguin he said oh oh that's a really good one you know who it'll be years and years until, but Jake Gensel. Yeah, I'd go with that too. Like, mm-hmm. like you look at the way anytime he's mic'd up, the way he talks on the bench and the way he talks to other players, like that guy just, he sees everything that happens. Yeah. And three, what's your go-to karaoke song? Don't have one, man. I, I do not karaoke. karaoke. Uh, fun story, I sang wagon wheel with a coworker at the 2018 or yeah 2018 AHL all-star game after party <laughs> this was a good show yeah wholesome wholesome for the kids uh educational and uh we all learned something about each worked other worked a lot of things out yeah I feel good Thanks to you for being a part of it and for being a part of the Dying Alive community. Say goodbye, Patrick. See you guys. Thanks for being a part of this for 50 episodes. We appreciate you guys. 50 episodes, boys. Yeah. In the wheelhouse here. Say goodbye, Michael. See ya. Sayonara. Sayonara.